Oh, good morning. Happy Mother's Day. How are you guys doing this morning? A few of you guys are doing great. A few of you guys are still probably need to drink a little bit more of your coffee, it sounds like. It's never a bad thing. I almost brought coffee up with me. I was debating, and I was like, I'm going to spill it, make a mess. It's going to be distracting. But also, if you haven't heard, my wife is now a mother of two, and we got our hands full, and I'm running on coffee. It's great. And really appreciate everyone who's been showing up with meals and gifts and just being so supportive of us, praying for Morgan as she heals up. And yeah, once she gets going, we're excited to, at some point, Morgan and Piper will actually make it here. But it might be another week or two. We're thankful for that. And it's good to be back with you all. Ah, I miss getting to share with you. And we're jumping into a new series. The series is called One Another. And if you read through the New Testament, uh, the part of the Bible that was written about when Christ was on earth and right after he was on earth, basically about within 100 years of Christ being on earth, when you read through the New Testament, you run into this phrase, one another, all the time, everywhere. It just keeps popping up. And you kind of learn that when the phrase one another pops up, that's normally a sign that you're about to get a direction. It's do this with one another. Do this with, towards one another. Do that. And the reason it's there is because, I don't know about you, at least for me, following Jesus by myself is pretty easy. If I have a day where I don't interact with any other humans, I normally have a great relationship with God. I rarely get off track doing anything wrong. But as soon as you add other people into the mix, suddenly... You add my son into the mix, my wife, my friends, my family, my coworkers, let alone my parents. Suddenly, I am not quite as good of a Jesus follower as I used to be, right? And it's a little bit harder to follow Jesus together. It's really easy to follow Jesus by ourselves. It's hard to follow Jesus together with one another. But the funny thing is that all throughout the New Testament, we're given directions to follow Jesus together. Not because it's easy, not because following Jesus is easy, but because following Jesus is good. And sometimes in the difficulty and the challenges that we face following Jesus together with one another, God does the most good in us and through us. And so our series that we're jumping into is called One Another, and we're looking at seven different directions of how to follow Jesus, not just as one, but with another. So that's the idea of it. That's what's going on. And this morning, we're going to be looking at Hebrews chapter 13, verses 1 to 3. That's kind of our key passage this morning. And Hebrews was written to early followers of Jesus uh, from the Jewish background. So these were people who had been following God for a long time, um, the God of the Bible. But then when Christ came to earth, They saw him as the prophesied Messiah of their religion, and they started following Jesus. And they had to—Jesus kind of upgraded their faith and added some challenge to their faith. And the book of Hebrews was written to them, but it also definitely applies to us. And let's read what it says in verses 1 to 3 here, chapter 13 of Hebrews. Keep on loving each other as brothers and sisters. Don't forget to show hospitality to strangers, for some who have done this have entertained angels without even realizing it. Remember those in prison as if you were there yourself. And remember also those being mistreated as if you felt their pain in your own bodies. As we dig into that, we're going to hit the theme 
of our message because the nice title of our message is Love One Another. That's like the proper title. Kind of the real title, if we actually say what it's going to be about, is The Loneliest You Will Ever Be. The Loneliest You Will Ever Be. How does that tie into loving one another? And we're going to find that out. So let's pray together. God, as we jump into the message this morning, as we jump into hopefully hearing what you have to speak to us, how you want to inspire us to live with one another, I pray that you would work in our hearts and our minds to shape us to be more like you, that we would love each other, we love the people around us at home, at work, at school, at the grocery store even, um, that we love one another more like you love us. In your name, amen. All right, I didn't know that Grant had a game plan this morning. I actually planned a game. I really love games. That's probably the one thing I miss about pastoring teenagers is the games. Uh, I don't miss the smell, but I miss the games. So this morning, I'm going to make you guys play a game. I'm going to be nice. Normally, if I play this game with people, there's a lot of running and a few tackles involved. We're not going to do that. You're going to stay in one spot. It'll be okay. But to play this game, we all have to stand up if you're able. So if everybody can stand up if you're comfortable doing that. And this game is called Never Have I Ever. And maybe in your past life, before you were a Jesus follower, you played this game, and you're like, this isn't church appropriate. This is a church. We're appropriate. Don't go there. This is great. This is good. But we're going to play a game of Never Have I Ever, adult, grown-up version. So at church, so it's kind of fun, kind of lame. It's okay. Um, but the idea of the game is that I'll say something that never have I ever done or experienced. And if you have, then you have to sit down. So if I was like, never have I ever been to church at Cedar Valley Church, then everybody in the room would have to sit down because we're all at church together, right? Pretty simple. But let's see how this goes. And the goal of the game, obviously, is to be the last person standing. So we'll see if anybody is. Okay, never have I ever broken a bone. So if you've broken a bone, it's time to sit down. Not only did you lose in that moment, it also caused you to lose now. I'm sorry. Okay. Never have I ever made a phone call on a rotary telephone. And some of you guys my age might not know what we're talking about. Just a little history lesson of phones. So we have like our smartphones now, like our iPhones. Before that, there was like the flip phones. Before the flip phones were the Nokia bricks. I still have a friend who has one running still. Um, and then before that was the telephones that were like, you had it sit on like a table in your home and then you had to pick it up and whatever. And then before that, there was ones with a cord on it. And then before that were ones where you had to spin a circle to dial numbers. I've never used one. Okay. So never have I ever used a rotary phone. Whew. Never have I ever traveled east of Alberta and Canada. Hey, hey, we got a winner. Congratulations, Alex. There we go. There we go. Okay. So it's funny talking about things that we've never experienced, right? But have you ever had a conversation with somebody where they're telling you about something and you're like, I've never experienced that. I just don't get it. Like somebody's talking to you about an experience they had in your life and you're like, I just don't get it. Like, I've had people tell me about going to Portugal, and it sounds amazing, but I don't get it. I haven't tasted the food in Portugal. I'm a little jealous, but I don't get it. 
And when it's like fun life experiences, it's fine. But sometimes it's the deep things in life that you're like, I don't get it. It can be tough because I think the loneliest you ever feel in life is not when you're actually alone. Oftentimes the loneliest you may ever feel is when you're surrounded by people, but nobody is actually with you. When you're in a room full of people, but nobody actually gets what's going on in your experience, and you're alone in your experience in life. And it can come up in so many different ways. I remember uh, right as I was starting college, I had a bunch of health problems come up. And so I had like brain fog, and I had like muscle fatigue, and whenever, and like I had really bad pain, so I wasn't sleeping at night, and all these things. And if you're far enough along in life, you're like, oh yeah, I know about that. That's my life now. But when you're 18, 19 years old, and your friends ask you how you're doing, you're trying to explain what's going on, they're like, they, and they've never had any health problems, let alone all of that. They don't get it. And I remember how lonely and isolated I felt, even though I was surrounded by people who cared, but they didn't, so many of them would ask you how you're doing, and you tell them, and they nod their head, and they go, oh yeah, that must be tough. That's hard. But you can tell when you look at them that they don't actually feel it with you that they don't actually get what it feels like, and you just feel alone. And we each run into that in different places in our life. Like, you know that point in a relationship, because you get into a relationship with somebody, maybe you're dating them, and there's, a, like, there's the exciting, like, everything's fun, we're just like in love with each other stage. But as you get more serious, you start to share your life with them. And you should talk to them about the good things that you've experienced in life and all the fun stuff. But eventually there comes a point in a relationship where you have to kind of go through a test. For the first time, you tell somebody about one of the experiences you had in your life that was actually really bad. One of those experiences where when you even talk about it, it still hurts. It's a test. Because if you tell somebody about those experiences in your life, maybe it was with your family Maybe it was with your friends growing up. But one of the experiences that really wounded you, and you tell the person that you think is this, that you're going to have this great relationship with about that, sometimes they kind of go, oh, that's too bad, and they move on. And you realize they don't get it. And you feel so lonely, and you just want to go and hide. You're just like, I might be with this person that I thought was amazing, but now I just want to go and hide. I'm so alone in this experience. Or when you're growing up, there's probably a point when you're facing a big challenge in your life, there's a situation going on that was overwhelming you, and you were kind of scared to talk to any adults about it. I don't know if you can think of a time when you're growing up as a kid, and you had something going on in your life that you were kind of scared to tell any adult about, but you were like, I need to tell somebody. And so you finally work up the courage to talk to your parents, or a teacher, or a coach, and you're hoping that they listen and that you can see them feel that with you. And maybe they give you a big hug and they just are in that moment with you. But maybe instead, they don't get it. They go, oh my God, that's hard. And they move on. And I think that's the moment that can be the loneliest we've ever felt. Even now, you might be facing grief in your life and you try to share about that grief that's going on in your life, whether it's the loss of a parent or a friend or a sibling, 
whether it's something going on in your family, where you have a deep grief in your life, and you have close friends around you, and you're used to trusting them with everything, and so you open up with a friend around you, but instead of them feeling that with you, you tell that they just don't get it, and you feel so alone. And that's the loneliest, I think, that we ever really feel as humans. And Hebrews chapter 13 is actually talking about that. Let's take a look at that again. Because in Hebrews chapter 13, the author gives this direction of keep on loving each other as brothers and sisters. And I don't know what your brother and sisters were like. Sometimes you should not love each other like your brothers and sisters love you as they argue with you and shove you into tight spaces. And, but you know the deep love that brothers and sisters can have. Love each other as spiritual brothers and sisters, that deep love of we're in this together forever. Because most of the time, eventually, we figure out that we're stuck with each other for life, so we better have a good relationship. And then don't forget to show hospitality to strangers. For some who have done this have entertained angels without realizing it. And this is an interesting back reference to a story with Abraham quite a long while before this passage was written. And we're going to skip over that. That's a whole other sermon. But then remember those in prison as if you were there yourself. Remember also those being mistreated as if you felt their pain in your own bodies. And it was interesting because when this was written, this was the early church. The early followers of Jesus lived in an interesting time and place. They were living in the Roman Empire. And part of living in the Roman Empire is you could more or less have any religion you wanted as long as your religion didn't get in the way of your politics. You could have any religion you wanted as long as you said Caesar is over all. Caesar is over all. But as followers of Jesus, they went, no, we'll give to Caesar what's Caesar's, but Jesus is over all. As a simple little mindset shift, but that mindset shift, that belief was a big enough thing in that culture that it was dangerous. The government, if they picked up on that, they were arresting people they were torturing them, and they were killing them. And so the early followers of Jesus, some of them were slipping by under the radar, and they were doing okay, but some of them were getting arrested and tortured and killed. And this is the church that this was written to, where they're going through this. And if you've ever had somebody going through something hard in your life, have you ever seen like the phrase, thoughts and prayers? At first, it sounded good until you've seen it about 100 times. You're going through something, and you're like, oh, my dog died, and people are like, thoughts and prayers. It's really popular on social media. And in the church, we often will be like, I'm praying for you. Oh, so-and-so got arrested this week. Okay, we're praying for him. So-and-so is, just got out of prison, and they're beaten. Oh, we're praying for them. And it's an easy way to keep a distance. To just go, okay, I'm thinking about you. I'm praying for you. It's easy to keep a little bit of distance. Because what's so hard is if you let yourself enter into the experience to actually feel with them. If somebody's in prison, actually letting yourself think about what it would be like to be there. Remember also those being mistreated, being abused, as if you felt their, own, their pain in your own bodies. When you hear that 
The person who was sitting next to you at church last week is this week, they're sitting in prison cell. And this was 2,000 years ago. There was no TV there. It was probably cold. You probably had chains around you. Actually imagine yourself there feeling that with them. It changes your perspective a little bit to put yourself in their shoes. And this is what this passage is saying. It's saying love one another, love each other as brothers and sisters to the point that when something's going on in somebody's life, you don't just go, okay, I'm going to pray for it and then move on as fast as I can because I don't want to be in that space. No, you say, I'm going to actually step into your space. I'm going to take the time to let myself imagine what it's like to go through that. I might not have been arrested before. I might not have been imprisoned, but I'm going to imagine that. When somebody shares with you about an experience you've never had, like I've had people share with me about drug abuse, and I'm just like, I've never experienced that. But I'm going to actually listen to your words and step and hear what you're saying and try to feel that with you. That's what really loving one another looks like. Loving one another means that if you really love someone, you want to cry with them when they want to cry. You want to laugh with them when they want to laugh. And we say that we're Jesus followers, and that's a high, that's a high calling. That's a hard, difficult path to walk, to actually walk in the footsteps of Jesus. In 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 to 10, it says something interesting about love. It says, love one another again. Dear friends, let's continue to love one another. For love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. But anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. And here's where it gets interesting. God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love. This is real love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. And it's so easy to imagine Jesus up in heaven loving us, being like, oh man, that must be a tough week you're having, but I love you. Oh man, that must be tough when this is going on in your life and your boss is stressed out and now he's stressed out with you. I love you. It must be hard when you're having a fight with your kids or with your parents or with your spouse. I love you. You can just see God sitting up there in heaven watching us and being like, oh, I love you from a nice, safe distance. But that's not what God did. God said, I love you so much that I'm going to choose to come and live as a human with you. I'm going to feel what it's like to be a baby with you. I'm going to feel like what it's like to be a toddler who doesn't have the words to express themselves, but they're going, but they see the world around them and they, I'm going to be, experience that with you. I'm going to experience what it's like to be a middle schooler. And they start picking people for the team. And sometimes you're the first one to get picked and you feel so excited. And other times you're the last one to get picked for the team and you're crushed. I want to feel with you. And he went through 33 years of life with us, fully feeling what it is to be a human because he loves us so much. He could have stayed safe. He could have watched us from a distance, but he chose to be with us and feel with us. And sometimes you think, well, he still had the big picture. He was still God, so he didn't have to. He didn't have to get stressed out by the small little things. He didn't have to feel the little stuff that we feel with us. 
But when his friend Lazarus died, even though Jesus knew that he was going to raise Lazarus back to life, he chose to feel with Lazarus and his family and mourn the death. Jesus cried with them because he loved them so much. He had a real love, so he cried with them. And this, this sometimes is a little bit hard to lock onto, but I think, of, I think of good storytelling. Whether it's a grandparent or a parent who's really good at telling stories, whether it's that you love to watch movies or read good books, a good storyteller helps you to actually feel with somebody. Not just know what happened, but to feel what happened. When I was reading a book this week, it was so great. There was this moment of like childish delight, and I found myself laughing out loud. I was like, this is a good story, right? And good storytelling, like if you guys ever watched the Marley movies with like the dog and everything going on, but like literally a movie about a dog can make you cry, or at least you feel like crying because you're feeling with the characters. But when somebody around you, in their daily life, you ask them how they're doing, and they start to tell you something that's not that pleasant to hear, that's not that easy to enter into the feeling of with them, does it make you want to cry with them? Or do you find a way to put up a wall? Because when you watch a movie, you're tearing up and you're wanting to jump with excitement. But sometimes in daily life, we put up walls so we don't want to cry with people. We don't want to go through the roller coaster of emotions they're going through with them. We want to be safe in our own bubble. And even like this week, I had somebody in my life tell me, like, it was a whole thing, but like in passing, they're just like, so my wife and kids left me. And I was like, oh, I tried to ask a follow-up question. Clearly, they didn't want to like, talk about what was going on in their life. They were trying to not feel it themselves. And so I was like, oh, okay, I'll pray for you. And that's easy, right? Okay, I'll pray for you. Give you 30 seconds of prayer and then move on. But then I saw an opportunity that if I wanted to love them like Jesus loves me, I could actually choose to feel that with them. I could choose to take a minute to think about what it'd feel like to have my wife and children leave me. And then when, after that, when I went to pray for them, it was such a different experience, such a different prayer, because it changed me. It was such a small thing, it's such a small practical thing, but it's hard. It was not fun, but it was good. I actually got to love them the way, more like the way that God loves me. I got to pray for them more the way that God would pray for me. And that. And it was amazing. So I want to challenge you. It's so easy in life to love one another from a distance, to step back and be like, I'll love you. I'll let you tell me about what's going on in your life, but I don't want to feel that with you. Thank you. I've got enough feelings in my life. But I want to challenge you to find a chance this week to listen to somebody when they're sharing their experience with you. It can be a good experience. It can be a bad experience. It doesn't matter. But when they're sharing an experience with you, listen not to know what happened, but to feel that experience with them. Go through those emotions with them. And then maybe pray for them out of that. But just take a moment to do that, to experience love, not the way that we often love in our daily lives, but love the way 
that Jesus chose to come and love all of us, choosing to step into the feelings, not just the knowledge of what it is to be a human, but the feelings of being a human, to walk beside us. It's interesting because as I was hearing this message, as I was reading what God was speaking here, I thought of what it's like to walk into church. And some of you guys, this might be your first Sunday here. Some of you, you may have been walking to the same church for 80 years, pretty close to it. And walking into church is a really scary thing. Even for me, I've been a pastor many times, but if I walk into a new church for the first time, it's actually a scary thing because you're walking in and it's a place to love one another. It's a place to be known. It's a place to go through the deepest things in life. And if many of us here have very similar backgrounds, most of us grew up in Christian families. We grew up in the church. We have a shared experience. If we play Never Have I Ever, it takes forever to get people to sit down because we all experience the same things. But if we look at our city around us, if we look at the city of mission that God placed us in here, most people in the city have not had the experience that we've had. Most people in the city have not grown up in a Christian family. Most people in the city have not grown up going to church. Their experience is different. So we can't just easily know and feel with them their experience. And so if they walk into our church, if, if we're talking to them on Sunday morning, maybe they come out to our small group or our Bible study, and they finally get to the point in that relationship where they start to actually test the waters and share the deep experiences of their life and what's formed them. It's really easy for us to just go, oh, that's hard. I can't imagine what that would be like. But maybe God's calling us to love them by imagining what it would be like. Doing our best to feel with them. Let their story make us cry. Because church can be the most amazing place of belonging and feeling loved and supported and like everyone is with you, but it can also be the loneliest place on earth. When you're in church on Sunday morning, you know I don't belong here because people don't, can't feel this with me. But the experience I'm going through, nobody gets it. Suddenly, this place of belonging for us becomes the loneliest place on earth for those that we're inviting in. So I challenge you to keep that in mind. Start practicing that, and let's make this place a place of belonging, a place where people go, I am known, I am loved by God, and I can feel God's love through the love that the people in this building, the people in my small group, the people in my Bible study are showing me. That they aren't just loving me from a distance, but they're gaining the messiness of it. They have a love that makes them want to cry with me. That's an amazing thing. That's the amazing love that God asks us to have for one another. I'm going to close this up in prayer and invite the worship team on up. God, you don't call us to easy things, but you call us to really good things. So many of us here have grown close to you, have been shaped by you because we've experienced this love, not from a distance, but this love of being with us and feeling with us and crying with us, laughing with us, God. We're so thankful for that. And we pray that you would grow that in our own lives, that we would open up more with each other, 
that our church friendships wouldn't be surface friendships, but they would be deep friendships where we feel and we walk through life together. That when someone in our life, maybe that we've never even connected with before, tells us about something going on in their life, that it's not a fun emotion to enter into, but that you would challenge us to step into that and to pray out of the depth of love that comes from knowing and feeling the experience with each other. That this church would be a place of belonging, God. I pray that this would be a church where anyone who walks in, no matter what their background is, no matter what their experience is, no matter how many things they have a list of why they don't belong at church and why they can't be loved here, I pray that you would overcome that through us. They would feel so known and surrounded by support and love like brothers and sisters here. We're thankful for how faithful you can be to do that in our lives as we let you. In your name, amen.